Welcome to Exhibition, an Xbox podcast, episode number seven. My name is Samuel Adams, and I have a wonderful show for you all this week, not because of me, but because of who I am joined by. This week's guest is none other than Luke Lore of the Xbox Expansion Pass, and we have a wonderful conversation that ranges from E3 2021 to the future of Xbox, and now that we've hit the six-month mark in this new generation of Xbox, how is Microsoft doing? We're discussing games, we're discussing hardware, we dig into cloud gaming, and so much more. It's a wonderful conversation with a very insightful guy. If you don't already subscribe to the Xbox Expansion Pass, you absolutely should. It's one of my favorites on a week-to-week -week basis, and Luke does a wonderful job lining up interviews, sharing very insightful information, and just in general being a very cool host. Enough from me, let's go ahead and dive into it with Luke Lore of Xbox Expansion Pass on today's episode of Exhibition, an Xbox podcast. No, but yeah, you can just go ahead and dive in and uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself, how you started doing podcasting, and about the Xbox Expansion Pass. Oh man, well, I that's all that's a lot to take in. I am thrilled to be with you here on Exhibition. It is a pleasure to be in your your first ten episodes. So thank you for that. Uh, as far as my my podcasting history, that goes back a long ways. I podcasted. Uh, quite a bit when I spent time as a freelance journalist in the soccer world, sports world, uh, covering North American soccer, major league soccer, things like that. Um, and then took a break, took a long break. And my love for video games has been lifelong. And I began co-hosting on a show called The Xbox Drive, which is still going strong, hosted by Sean Capri and Ryan Turford. Um, I worked with Sean for about a year. We, we visited E3. We podcasted through all of that. Um, and then eventually uh, we parted ways really because we wanted to do different things. I wanted to have a show more like what I have now with, with the Xbox Expansion Pass, and I'll be glad to talk about that. Um, and he wanted to have a more silly kind of fun show. And if you don't know, Xbox Drive is a show where... Uh, the one of the people is in a car driving around, uh, and that's kind of the, the, the shtick, and it's a fun one for sure. Um, but I wanted to make XEP. I wanted to interview developers, actors, podcasters, content creators, journalists, uh, people that had impact on the industry wherever it was. And so um, I created the Xbox Expansion Pass. I believe it went live in, I want to say, August of 2019. Uh, I'm approaching my 87th official episode with a few bonus episodes here and there, uh, and I'm I'm thrilled to to know that it's going strong. I'm quite proud of it uh, for sure. Uh, it's something that brings me a lot of joy, and it's strictly hobby. It, it's not something that I have career aspirations for, um, and so it's it's consistently a reminder to enjoy gaming, talking about gaming, and not make it work. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that sticks out to me about the uh, Xbox expansion pass and how you kind of conduct yourself is that you can just tell the amount of passion that you have. And you talk to developers of all shapes and sizes. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of games I've discovered are coming to Game Pass through your show um, <laughs> just because, you know, these developers, they aren't normally those that are in the spotlight. Uh, and like you said, the Xbox drive is another one that uh, we were discussing before the show, how I've just been diving into all these Xbox podcasts. Um, mm -hmm. But what they have on the Xbox drive is, you know, while it's different than XEP, they both work so well. Um, and sure. so it's just so cool to see so many people in the Xbox community really diving in and sharing their voice um, and just kind of, you know, sharing the love of what Microsoft is doing and of gaming in general, because it's not just about Xbox. It's just a smaller part of an even larger place. It's really neat because 
all things considered, there were not a lot of Xbox podcasts four years ago, three years ago, even two years ago. Uh, you had Unlocked, you had a few of your major ones, but uh, beyond that, the, the list was short. And the excitement and the energy that uh, is now surrounding Microsoft and Xbox in particular is uh, really encouraging as, as many of us went through uh, the dark times, the Xbox One launch, and things like that, in which I was not a part of the Xbox community at that point. I, I was a strong 360 guy, uh, made the jump to PlayStation because they were treating their customers better. Um, I often say that I will go where my value is dollar, my dollar is valued most, uh, and I, I will stick by that. I go where I feel like I'm most appreciated as a customer, and my love for gaming is not limited to uh, any one brand or or title on a plastic box and I often talk about that with with many of my gaming friends uh, Xbox is the beat I cover it's what I enjoy at the moment right now uh, more than anything but my gaming love extends well beyond the brand and uh, I mean I often joke because when I podcast about Xbox it's it's my PlayStation 5 that if the lighting's right that's the one you can actually see in the background which is amusing yeah I see um, it I see it menacingly peeking around the corner there during the Xbox show it's huge. <laughs> it's so big. Yeah, I can't hide it anywhere. I haven't had my chance to get my hands on a PlayStation 5 yet. I don't really feel compelled at this point in the generation to really seek one out because I think when mm -hmm. God of War drops, that's when I'll probably try and hit the ground running and really pick one up. Um, sure. But with the Series X, I mean, it's no it's no small boy either. You know, it's it's mm -mm. it's pretty chunky as well. Um, it sure is. But yeah, people are just so passionate right now about Xbox. And it's like what you were discussing on your most recent episode. I actually had you in while I was on a jog about 20 minutes ago. Um, nice, and it, man. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And it's just one of those things where, sorry, hit the mic. It's just one of those things where the amount of excitement around not only Xbox, but gaming in general is, or I should say Xbox's place within gaming in general is something that we haven't really seen since I'm looking back to even Halo 3 on the Xbox 360, where it's just around Halo Infinite specifically after the showcase last week. And we saw this, you know, in my mind, it's almost like a remaster of what we saw last year. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just crazy to see how Halo Infinite has improved so much and how the Xbox brand has boosted itself over the past year and a half, two years, even looking back to three and four years with the last generation. Um, it's a super exciting time to, number one, talk about Xbox on shows like this mm -hmm. and others. Um, but on top of that, just to be a part of the ecosystem. And no matter how you play, you've got a really good generation lined up. One of the things that I often think back to about the Xbox One generation and the leadership change that took place in Microsoft, um, everybody talks about Don Matrick and Phil Spencer, and that's quite appropriate, right? They, they were, were figureheads of their times. Um, but... Uh, when Phil Spencer took over, he shifted a lot of people on his team around, and he's always quick to appreciate his team, and I, I, I am thankful for that because there was a lot more than than just him. He, he's a wonderful, wonderful icon in gaming, but the, the team is far more extensive than just Phil Spencer, and as a group, they collectively decided what they needed to fix, and they began doing so. They course-corrected on backward compatibility, then they followed up with hardware, multiple revisions of hardware, then they had to get services in line, then they had to continue working on IP, and they took a, a short and long approach there. They repaired some of their IP that had launched with Troubles, uh, all the way back to ReCore getting a definitive edition, but really I'm talking about State of Decay 2 and Sea of Thieves. Uh, launching in one state and existing now in a far more superior state. And you could even cite uh, Master Chief Collection for that same reason. Uh, and then 
then it was a matter of just building momentum and bringing in the right people, the right ideas, and having a healthy mindset with initiatives like uh, Play Anywhere, which was really the first example of cross-buy, cross-play, cross-progression, cross-everything, and that led to so many more uh, discussions because Sony had dabbled in that with their Vita and PS3, but it was not nearly uh, where Microsoft was taking it. And they took head on the idea that if you buy a game on PC, you can have it on Xbox and vice versa. And that was probably very scary. But that mentality has brought them to where we are now, where in a game showcase in 2021, beneath the announcement or beneath the, the, the list where beneath the title where that you would see the consoles, Xbox Series S, Series X, PC, xCloud three ways to access a game to play any way you want, anywhere you want. And that's a really forward thinking initiative that had they asked me, I'd have been like, I don't like that. I don't know. And clearly, clearly they've got some, some good people in the, in the know over there. Yeah. It's super risky business move to do what they do today. Not only with, the cross play and the play anywhere um, functionality, but on top of that with Game Pass, and we'll talk more about all those games uh, and and give an overview. Obviously, people have been talking about E3 a lot and with the Xbox Game so- Showcase, so we won't go too mm-hmm. in depth unless you want to. Um, but I think that a good example of a company that's kind of in a halfway point right now, where they want to do what Microsoft did, but it is just such a big financial risk. Um, is with EA, you know, you look to Battlefield 2042 and where that's like the perfect Game Pass game or even just Mm -hmm. the perfect EA Play game on day one. And as of right now, it's just they aren't 100% in on putting this year's big flagship game out for everyone just for those with a subscription. And so companies are looking at what Microsoft is doing and it's making a difference in their business and it's really shaping the future of how the industry uh, perceives how games are shipped, how games are presented um, to players. And I think that, you know, we hear a lot of talk about choice. It's all down to how the player wants to experience games, whether that's a $70 one-off purchase, whether that's a Game Pass Ultimate subscription, or even just a Game Pass for PC or console. It's all mm-hmm. about choice this generation, and that's super cool. All about choice, all about variety, and Uh, trying to invite people in to play more games than they otherwise would have. And what's what's comforting about that is that the data shows that is quite effective, right? People are still purchasing games, even if a game launches into Game Pass. And we have recent examples of that, as recent as Outriders, which is a game I really enjoyed my 30 hours in. And anybody that's critical of the endgame is right to be critical of it. But I got 30 hours of enjoyment out of it and moved right along, and Game Pass gave me the option to do just that. Um, and meanwhile, in that same vein, lots of players were discovering a looter shooter that uh, they really liked, and they liked a lot of the things it was doing. And uh, I also think Game Pass has given new life to the idea of games that you might not have gotten before, uh, perhaps a sequel to Dishonored at some point down the line, The Evil Within 3 or Wolfenstein 3, games uh, or sequels to games that were critically successful but maybe didn't hit commercially the way those companies wanted to Uh, we even recently saw prey get a lot of love a lot of love uh, as it launched into game pass that it didn't get in its time for any number of variables and i'm using bethesda examples right now because they're just they're just 
easy to, to point to as they're all finding success in this newfound uh, energy around them. It's it's great. It's exciting. It's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, Bethesda was a big part of the Xbox game showcase. But before we dive into that, I do want to have the kickoff question that I sent you earlier and you touched on it just a moment ago. What's the best game or your favorite game or a game you discovered on Game Pass that you probably wouldn't have otherwise found, played or, you know, found enjoyment in in the way that you did had it not been included with a subscription? Oh my gosh. So I hate this question, not because uh, I don't have an answer to it, but because I have too many answers to it. Uh, Game Pass has, has done a lot for me. My, my first answer, I think, would be Sea of Thieves. And while I probably would have played Sea of Thieves regardless, because at the time I was on an Xbox show, um, I, I played Sea of Thieves in Game Pass, was not thrilled with my experience there, and kind of left it. I just kind of left it. I didn't have to pay for it. Didn't hurt my wallet or anything. I just oh, I see that this is kind of neat, and then I just moved on. But as that game grew and evolved over time, Game Pass, because I had a subscription to it, could welcome me back into that game to try at really no big loss except for time. Uh, And now you fast forward to uh, Pirate Legend. I've maxed out both Plunder Passes. I've been playing this game since uh, 2019, maybe a little bit, maybe... late 2018 early 2019 and then i've I've got now i've got a full crew because i was playing just solo uh and gradually added friends to that group uh sea of thieves is a very special game that you cannot understand if you've played it once you can't understand it if you played it twice uh but beyond that there's a lot of joy to be had there and it's a much deeper world than the art style would would allow and you know, I, right, what I was doing as you were speaking a moment ago was pulling up the Game Pass list as it currently exists. And there's a lot of games in here that I could just wax poetic about that are just very high quality that people should try out that maybe they didn't carry on is a good one. Um, that was a 2D one from Devolver Digital, which you were the monster uh, and you you were haunting things. Call of the Sea is a very different game than that. Uh, and... You, you're in this this Lovecraftian mystery and you're trying to discover what's going on in the island. I played Blair Witch, which I never would have purchased. Uh, Bloober Team, horror game, very talented, but I don't do horror. Uh, and I really liked Blair Witch. That was a fun game to play. Um, there's there's so much, uh, Sam. I could just go on forever uh, about it. Can I, I will say that anyone and everyone, uh, you have the option to play my favorite game of last gen, perhaps not the best one, but my favorite, and that's Arkham Knight and the entire Arkham tr- uh, Collection trilogy. Trilogy is in there. I don't believe Arkham Origins is in there, uh, but the entire trilogy is in there from Rocksteady, and those are just masterpieces uh, through and through. Yeah, definitely. And I'm a huge Arkham Knight guy, too. That came out the summer that I was graduating high school is when that game hit. And that was just my game of the of the summer right there. That that was you were so young. Oh, I'm I'm 24. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm just I'm just out here getting started. (laughs) Oh, you're a young and you could have been in my classroom, man. I could I could have indeed. Um, but yeah, you know, Arkham Knight's a great addition to the lineup. And while it's not necessarily my cup of tea, uh, the Yakuza games, I think I said that correctly. Uh, it, you know, the pronunciations mm-hmm. always go back and forth. Um, but with the additions of like a dragon, that's one that a ton of people have been diving into out of all of mm-hmm. the game pass games that I've played over the past, I would say six to eight months. My girlfriend and I have been starting Minecraft dungeons 
And Great. that is completely out of anything that I would normally play. Minecraft, yeah. not my thing. Uh, really, that kind of dungeon crawler experience, not really my mm -hmm. cup of tea. I dive into Minecraft Dungeons in the past month and a half. It has been the game that I've spent the most time with. Um, and there's mm -hmm. no way that I would have... Um, you know, spent the spent the money to pick that one up had it not been on Game Pass. But now I'm looking, you know, I, I might buy some expansions the next time they're on mm -hmm. sale. Uh, and the same thing happened with Forza Horizon 4. I'm not a big racing yeah. guy. But um, yeah. but last December, I uh, had a lot of downtime at work and I thought, hey, you know, every night I'll, I'll just oh, I'll check out some Forza Horizon 4. And then I ended mm -hmm. up buying the um, the giant, you know, expansion pass when it was on sale during the the Christmas sale. And I've probably put over 100 hours into it, and I'm super pumped yeah. for five. Uh, and so yeah. I think that's really how Game Pass expands the genres that people might be mm -hmm. interested in as well. That's a big one for me. Yeah, no, those are great choices. And, and Forza does such a good job at reaching multiple audiences. The Sim audience has enough there to get them through to the next motorsport. Uh, and for people like myself, and it sounds like you as well, there's a lot of casual arcadey fun to be had. That's not just throwaway arcadey fun. You know, there's some some fun, good good experiences to be had, and they they play with it just enough to where I don't feel uh, bogged down. And uh, to anybody listening, if you've not played the Halo mission in Forza Horizon Four, uh, it, it may not be the best race in there because that game is just god tier. But that is my favorite. I love that race. That so that good. Halo crossover was unlike anything else. I I went into Forza Horizon 4 just wandering around, not searching for anything to do, but just hitting random missions. And so it was mm -hmm. a complete out of left field surprise when all of a sudden I'm driving a warthog and it's, you know, you've got the halo music playing and it's just this high octane energy. You've got all these, you know, ships coming in overhead. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. I back that one as well. Um, but we mentioned Forza Horizon 5. Let's talk about E3 2021. Give me the overall thoughts on the Xbox show. You know, as a fellow Xbox fan, how was your perception of how Microsoft brought themselves and presented what they had to show during E3? Really and truly um, a wonderful showcase, a wonderful set of showcases. And it kicked off even before E3 uh, when they had, uh, I don't know what you, an executive meeting where that they, they publicized. It was meant to go out to, to press only and then they, they sent it to everybody. But the idea was... Uh, they had Satya Nadella, the leader of Microsoft, the head of Microsoft, the trillion-dollar company, not just the Xbox division, uh, and and several other kind of corporate leaders from Microsoft discussing the future of gaming and what they were trying to do with the Xbox division, uh, not just hardware, not just software, not just services, but how they would all work cohesively. That kind of kicked off the season, and it put everybody in a great mindset to see this guy who's in charge of trillions of dollars of business uh, wearing a halo shirt and and that's a lot of people point that out but it's really the metaphor involved that this guy put on a, a, a hoodie and believed in the product when not five years ago there were discussions about should we fold xbox it's just not doing what it's supposed to and they've really doubled down and uh, offered a lot of confidence going forward about what their plans are and then uh to to combine two showcases because Bethesda has been doing their own showcases to purchase Bethesda and then decide to do a joint conference inside of a 90 minute window and have variety appeal to people in a, in a post pandemic year or current pandemic year, uh, I suppose given the rate of vaccinations. Um, but th there is just a lot to praise them on and then follow that up with, they had the game showcase extended, which did exactly what, 
I was hoping they would do give deeper dives on certain titles, uh, but not bog down the show proper with that. And so I was just uh, through and through applauding, cheerful, excited. We we didn't see too much Phil Spencer. We didn't see too little Phil Spencer. We didn't see too much of Sarah Bond, too little, too much of Pete Hines or Todd Howard or any other voice that was on stage. It was the right amount. They respected the diversity uh, of their catalog. They recognized the gaps in their catalog, and they filled those with third parties and indies. Um, really and truly, I was quite pleased and impressed, uh, and easily Xbox One E3, though I admittedly Summer Game Fest and, and the smaller conferences by Ubisoft and Square Enix, et cetera, uh, et cetera, did not, did not impress. But uh, I was just, just so happy, and I would put that Xbox show uh, next to, I, I want to say it's the 2016 Sony conference, in which we got God of War, I believe, and a few others. Um, it was just among the best, and I, I was very impressed and pleased. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that this was the best Xbox showcase that we've had easily in the last five years or more. I mean, uh, it it's up there with one of the top three of all time from the from the Xbox team, I really do believe. Um, just because, like you said, the announcements just kept rolling. And mm -hmm. if you want to go to the blog, you know, we've all seen the blog where it gives you the rundown of all of the games that were discussed in terms of presentation. I echo what you said, where there wasn't a ton of discussion. There have been plenty of showcases in the past in regards to the main showcase, I should say, um, mm -hmm. where it is just 45 minutes of an executive on stage talking about the game and they're talking about mm -hmm. what the team is doing. But you can talk about a game all day that hasn't shown me the game and it's right. seeing the game and at least getting some eyes, if not on a, an engine in engine trailer, like we saw with Starfield, uh, you know, mm -hmm. an extended look in the extended showcase and a brief look during the show itself of Forza Horizon five in the wild. Um, and it's not the discussion that people are going to talk about on social media and on podcasts like this and other shows. It's the gameplay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what yeah. really speaks to the final experience you're going to get in the value that these games are going to deliver. And I think that by skipping the discussions and saving those for the show hosted by Paris Lilly a couple of days later, um, mm -hmm. whenever they had the spotlight on them at the most important time, Microsoft took advantage of it in the best way they possibly could have. And I think it was great. They also did a good job at showcasing what was important in the short term, the near future, this year, 2021, uh, and then offering healthy promise for 2022 and beyond. And that, I think, was a w very carefully and calculated uh, carefully calculated move by by everybody involved and it really seemed to pay off because after the showcases uh, we were seeing images go out and I pulled them up again while you were speaking they did a, a great job at saying all right here's what's happening June July August September fall holiday and just pinpointing how many titles are dropping day and date into game pass uh, and it's 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 staggering it started with with um, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance just a few days ago at the time of this recording, and it is not going to stop. It is not going to stop. There's plenty of stuff coming in July. I'm thinking about Microsoft Flight Simulator and The Ascent, uh, and it and August is jam-packed with Psychonauts and, and Hades, 12 minutes, uh, and, and it just keeps going from there. Uh, there's so much to look forward to, and 
That's just in 2021. And I thought they really, uh, to shift gears briefly, they respected the time of those fans that were probably former PlayStation or PC fans that were Bethesda, there for the Bethesda showcase. They respected uh, those fans a lot. They, they got a lot of Starfield. We saw a lot of uh, what was going to be coming from for future content from uh, Bethesda outside of Starfield. I think there was a lot to to look forward to, even if you did not show up to that showcase be, because it was Xbox. And, and we saw evidence of that as well. That energy units were selling out faster than before for Series S and X with more on the way. Uh, even reports, and this is the, just nuts to me, um, substantiated reports, mind you, I don't mean rumor mill, that the Xbox Series S is doing incredibly well in Japan, of all places. And, and that is so encouraging and so alien to be able to say uh, multiple generations of Xbox were in the fourth version uh, and it was never done well in Japan. So really cool, really cool. A lot to, a lot to uh, celebrate and they should be hanging their hats uh, for, for a great diverse, uh, diverse showcase. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the interview that um, came out on, I believe, Polygon a couple of days ago with, uh, I want to say Peter Wise, I think is, is the name. Um, the article is by Nicole Carpenter, but it was all about diversity in in games and creators and studios uh, and in the way that the community is is treated at Xbox. And I think that that shines mm-hmm. through in the games that were shown off and that are coming to Game Pass, because like you, I've got the article pulled up after the show uh, went offline mm-hmm. where, you know, you have everything from Yakuza Like a Dragon and Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance to your Forza Horizon 5s and your Halos and your Psychonauts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and huge mm. third-party support as well. Um, two that I want to discuss uh, with you, obviously, are uh, Back for Blood. I want to get your take on that one. And then Hades sure. coming to Game Pass. That's a huge yeah. win for me, somebody who uh, has friends with a Nintendo Switch. I don't own one personally, but Hades is a game that I've been dying to get into and obviously uh, definitely jumping in on day one when it launches in August. I'm thrilled that Hades is coming. I've heard so many people tell me how great that game is, and that's awesome. It looks incredible. I was never going to pick up my Switch for that. I've actually been very disappointed with my Switch in the last two, three years. Um, after that first year, it didn't entice me, just despite a couple here and there. It didn't give me kind of what I was hoping it would. And so Hades languished on, on the Switch for me, and I never really got into it. So I'm really excited to see that. We thought we might have been getting it a few months ago. Uh, Twitch Gaming, unfortunately, kind of had it in an image promotionally um, in error, uh, and they apologized for it, which was, was good. But to see confirmation that it is coming the 13th of August, I, I know a lot of people are going to be checking it out. Um, the game is beautiful. The game is beautiful. It was winning Game of the Year awards, uh, and it's the right type of game for Game Pass people like myself who were on the fence before. Now there is no question. I will be playing and trying Hades uh, with no loss except for a few minutes of time to find out if I like it or not. So I'm I'm stoked on on that one for sure. Um, Back for Blood. I want you to start off with that one if you don't mind, Sam. Tell me tell me real quick. Do you? Are you a Left 4 Dead fan? I mean, you're so young now that I know this, uh, and I'm shocked at it. You're gonna you're gonna uh, hold it over my Left head now that I'm I'm just I'm just but a young buck in the podcasting and Xbox space, aren't you? <laughs> you know, I'm gonna pretend like that's what it is, but really, it's the revelation and the realization that uh, I'm just getting older. Um, I have students that message me that that are you know well into college and graduating college, so it's like, oh, all right, 
cool. Good on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, you're, you're sorry, what? You're what? 23, 24 yourself? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I'll be 36 this year. Oh, you look great, dude. Like not to get Thanks, not man. to get sidetracked from the Xbox conversation, but I would have totally <laughs> guessed you were like 26. I I appreciate that. I get that often. That is a wonderful compliment sometimes and other times I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> uh, it just depends on where I am and who I'm with. But thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I want to know, man, did you play Left 4 Dead? Was that was that a in your realm wheelhouse? So Left 4 Dead was very big in my friend group in probably late middle school or so. It's one that everybody knew about and kind of grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. but I was on PlayStation three at the time, whenever this game was big mm-hmm. on Xbox 360. So it's not one that I was able to experience at its peak. Um, of course with turtle rock, you saw the, um, evolve, uh, game that came out kind of was, it was well received, but the player base wasn't there to support it in the long run. Um, right. and for years I've said that if evolve had been around when game pass was a thing would have been a totally different story with evolve, I sure. think as well. Um, but Left 4 Dead is significant, um, because it was picked up very heavily in the YouTube community. And of course, you know, whenever you're in middle school, high school, YouTube's a big thing you pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So Left 4 Dead mods, um, were very popular discussions and it kind of has that same, uh, air of, uh, not, not necessarily Gary's mod, but it's up there with like your CS goes and these big games that everybody Mm -hmm. kind of kept track of. And so I think that there's a legacy there. And to see back for blood, I mean, we all know what that means. Like, we all know the experience you're going to get. And I think that for people that have now grown up, you know, we were just discussing about how, you know, time's rolling on by. I've graduated college in the workforce. You know, you're a teacher and a successful professional at that. Um, (laughs) But thank you. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, you know, life has moved on. But this gives me the opportunity to go back and replicate that experience that I had with my friends when I was younger and get back into that Mm co-op zombie slaying action. Um, And Mm -hmm. so to answer your question directly, yeah, super relevant for me. And I think that with it being on Game Pass, this goes from a game that I might have picked up if, you know, things had been looking good whenever the game launched and I had some money to throw around with it, probably would have gotten it. Now, downloading, preloading, day one diving in for me for sure. Awesome. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say that. And uh, at the risk of, of a self plug, this past week of the Xbox expansion pass, I had on Chet Falashek, who is working on the Anacrusis, uh, which you may have seen at Summer Game Fest or the Game Showcase Extended. He worked on Left 4 Dead, and that's why I bring him up. He worked on Left 4 Dead, and, and the Anacrusis is kind of uh, a take on that. And I have such fond memories of playing left for deads one and two and the co-op experiences that are involved. I, I played a lot of solo. I play a lot of co-op games solo for, for fun uh, as well. There was a horror element to it and it has this, this element called the director that adjusts the difficulty, not in making enemies stronger or weaker, but in where to place enemies, where to place health, where to place weapons, what types of weapons and to see the evolution of that and to hear hear Chet talk about that really has me excited for a bunch of the co-op shooter games that are coming out throughout this year. It started with Second Extinction hitting early access. Um, that one didn't really land with me, but then uh, we, we see the Anacrusis. We see Aliens Fireteam, which I'm very excited about. And Back for Blood will have a special place in my heart. And 
no matter what I was going to be playing and purchasing that game, um, purchasing it if it hadn't been in Game Pass. Now that it's in Game Pass, uh, my dollar is saved and I can check this one out. Uh, I'm thrilled to see how they've decided to evolve this system. Uh, and pardon the pun on evolve there. But, I was, uh, was going to say, see, wow, you really you really went for the low hanging fruit there, didn't you? I <laughs> uh, didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. Sorry, Trevor Moore. But uh, I, I want to see what they do to make these systems modern because I go back and play Left 4 Dead 2 now, still a blast, but other games have been around since then, adapted this kind of moving through a horde uh, element. I mean, I'm thinking about World War Z, which was is third person Left 4 Dead in modern times with modern AI, uh, and it's great. That was in Game Pass for a good while. I don't know if it's still there, and that's well worth your time. Um, so I want to know what they do with Back 4 Blood uh, going forward because there's a lot to look forward to there. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm looking forward to Back for Blood. And like you said, there are so many other games that are similar in nature to it. And like you, I'm not really a big co-op guy. Normally, I just play solo because I'm a weird player where I don't really stay up late and play. I'll get up at like five o'clock in the morning and get my game time in before work because that's mm-hmm. that's whenever I'm at my best. I can get those peak headshots Same. at, at 515 in the morning. Right with you. <laughs> so, right with you. You know, as my as my friends and my and my, you know, fellow players are logging off, I'm, you know, hit, hitting the Xbox on button and just getting going. Um, mm-hmm. But it's super exciting just to see that these games are coming. And for those that are super into co-op experiences, um, Game Pass affords the opportunity for you to be able to play with all of your friends, because if they have Game Pass then you're good to go. And of course, Back for Blood is doing the um, expansion system where if one person owns it, everybody can play it. So mm-hmm. for anybody that dives in and plays Back uh, for Blood, you can just enjoy the game with all of your friends if you have Game Pass and you can really uh, get the most experience that you can possibly get through just diving in. And again, like you said, it's no additional cost to you. You get to save your dollar um, and really see what that game has to offer. So that's very exciting. Yeah, big time, big time. So we mentioned Bethesda a moment ago discussing, you know, the E3 2021 Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase. How do you think so far, you know, uh, roughly five or six months after the the big announcement and a few months after the merger itself, with Xbox's messaging six months after the launch of the Xbox Series X and this Bethesda story that's come into play and the merger between these two companies. How do you think all of that is shaking out the player reception, the way the future is shaping up for Xbox, the general vibe around that? It almost could not be better. Um, And again, it's weird to say that. And I'm I want to be very clear. This is not self-serving because I do an Xbox show or meant to sound in any way uh, fanboyish, which was, is an easy trap to fall into in content creation. Um, with the exception of their faux pas of nearly raising the price of Xbox Live and then kind of going back on that within 24 hours and course correcting, um, rightfully so, by the way, Xbox Live Gold should not be expensive or even a thing any longer. Um, with a Game Pass existing in the way that it does. Uh, beyond that, their messaging, their social teams, uh, the way they've gone about making decisions from 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 the, the leak of the Xbox Series S in the middle of the night, which won awards, their reaction, their meme reaction to that won awards, which is awesome. Uh, it has been nearly perfect they balanced their deal with bethesda and showcasing bethesda titles well they 
with with words bigger than Sarah Bond was on stage, it said Starfield will be exclusive. Uh, and, and they were, they could not have been more clear on that, despite, you know, a few websites pre- pretending that uh, it, it wouldn't be. They've done a very good job at setting expectations with a few very small slip-ups here and there in 2020, which uh, I think I and many others might forgive them for because the teams were trying to figure out what they could and could not do in a work-from-home environment, and it had not yet been established how much could be productively done by the studios and developers at home. So apart from a few slip-ups in 2020, uh, the social teams have done an, a fantastic job. Uh, and on the development side, I could not heap enough praise on the decision to delay Halo Infinite. I was devastated. I I, I rarely make Twitter videos, but I made a Twitter video on that one because I was very upset. Halo is my jam. I've always loved it. If you are able to see behind me, despite my poor lighting, it's it's Halo everywhere. And they made a very brave choice to not put Halo day and date launching with the Series S and X. And man, it seems to have paid off because the energy surrounding this most recent re-reveal uh, ha- has just been stellar. And uh, I, I can't I can't say enough good things about how they've handled 95% of what they've done uh, in the last year and a half. So cheers to them. Uh, and, and in that 5% they screw up, Sam, I mean, like, they own it. And I appreciate that. As a, as a customer, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. 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 Like you said, they really did, especially whenever you say they own it, they really did own up to it with the Xbox Live move because... That was one that the news hit immediately tons of backlash because, like you said, there is absolutely no purpose for Xbox Live or games with gold to exist um, in 2021. And personally, I think that it it has crossed a threshold that games with gold almost does damage to the Xbox brand because of its comparison and really the contrast to PlayStation Plus that although they're very different services because it would be a more appropriate comparison in terms of value to compare game pass to playstation plus just because of the quality of games you're getting taking Mm -hmm. the amount and and quantity out of it from the game pass side Um, but all that's beside the point game pass um is the focus for xbox Mm -hmm. and this uh, xbox live gold and the games with gold is just kind of muddying the conversation but they owned Mm -hmm. up to the issue and they owned up to the fact that they should not have uh you know kicked that price up and I'm sure the conversations are being had right now about potentially discontinuing Xbox Live, what that looks like. We've seen free-to-play games truly go free-to-play where you don't mm-hmm. need a subscription to play Fortnite anymore, Warzone, totally free. And with the Series S, that really is the most affordable place to play free-to-play next-generation enhanced titles. And that's a really powerful win Uh, that is so much more powerful than any kind of small amount of incremental income you'll generate from Mm -hmm. Xbox Live Gold. Um, In terms of the E3 show this year, to your point with Bethesda, from beginning to middle to end, you saw Bethesda sprinkled throughout. And, you know, I'll cite um, what I believe Paris said on the most recent episode of the X-Cast. It didn't feel like Bethesda was being pushed into the xbox show and kind of inserted in this kind of awkward way it felt like they were truly at home and Mm -hmm. you know you open up with starfield like you said huge words xbox exclusive you cap it off with the vampire game redfall 
um, where that's just this new innovative looking title from Arcane, you see what we knew was coming. You see something entirely new. So you see kind of a continuation of the legacy and then you see innovation. And I think that these two things really showcase the reason that Microsoft spent $7.5 billion, if I remember correctly, um, on Bethesda and really on that entire uh, opportunity to provide not only legacy value through games like Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six eventually, um, and all these other games that are going to be exclusive in the future, but also on these new uh, titles that we haven't even seen yet. And I think that is super powerful for building up the momentum behind Xbox Series X, S, and now PC and Game Pass on the cloud. Agreed. Agreed. And the idea that that cloud, the S, the X, are available, and we're starting to see the games that will be leaving Xbox One behind on the hardware side, I'm thrilled by, with the caveat that they are well into development of um getting xCloud to run on those older machines and keep players in the game longer. Uh, there, there's just so much to, to hang their hats on uh, and a massive undertaking. I'm so proud and impressed of the geniuses there uh, that I have no right to be, but uh, <laughs> love the idea that we're not going to leave anyone behind, and that's cool. That's Definitely. Cool. Let's go ahead and shift into that, actually. That's one of the topics that we had lined up for tonight's show. With cloud gaming, you know, it's become such a big part of the conversation, not only through this generation, but over the last few weeks. Um, I'm sure you saw earlier this week, Series X server blades are starting to go in. Those 1S mm -hmm. blades are out for certain games. Um, so it's probably looking like an announcement in the next couple of weeks or months um, about this full rollout of Xbox Series X compatibility. The Xbox One is getting support. I think Microsoft Flight Simulator has been confirmed for support. And then you also see talk about Starfield and others in interviews. Um, mm -hmm. And like you said, that's kind of keeping that last generation hardware, uh, you know, relevant. It's keeping it as a part of the conversation. And for those that did jump in with the Xbox One, they still have the opportunity to get more bang for their buck out of it. Uh, and then with mm -hmm. the browser stuff, you know, you've got a lot going on there. So with all of these elements coming in, what are your thoughts on Xbox Cloud Gaming and how it fits into Microsoft's bigger strategy? It It is their strategy. It is their strategy. Sooner or later, hardware is going to go the way of the Dodo. And they have uh, doubled down to reassure players with, with, I would argue, an older or more, more traditional mindset of having wanting to have the console in their entertainment center. And I respect that wholeheartedly. And in truth, I kind of do too. Um, but the way of the world has changed. And eight years ago, I wanted to own my games physically. Yo, the idea of having a disc right now makes me want to throw up. I love having my digital library available to me. Um, that's not a reality for everybody. Data caps and, and speeds and whatnot are all there. But this digital cloud-based gaming future uh, cannot be avoided and should not be avoided. They rolled it out on Android. They're working hard to get it working. Uh, that's a terrible way to say it. They're working hard to see that it shows up in uh, Windows space. And they've really taken Apple to task and making it show up on iDevices. And not only are the games available there for you to Bluetooth your controller to, they're adding touch controls. And 
at first I was very tepid with it. The idea I was like, oh, this is stupid and dumb. I'm not a fan of the idea of touch controls. They work. Minecraft Dungeons with touch controls work. That's that's they that's work. the game that I've experienced the most with touch. It's it's wild. Streets of Rage Four, which I'm not good at at all. Despite I mean, it should I should be good at. I am not. I can't do that with a controller, elite controller. I could hack the game and still screw up. Um, <laughs> but it it plays great with touch controls. Ninety five percent of the time, they need to get it up to ninety nine percent of the time, and they're clearly doing that. I mean, like you said, they're swapping out the the one S blades for Series X blades, and uh, that just sounds cool. Uh, it does, and I, <laughs> I, I I'm thrilled with it. I am. I knew I was going to find a way to bring it up by accident. Um, I'm currently enjoying the Marvel's Avengers game, uh, much to the chagrin of many people, which is amusing to me. Uh, <laughs> but that game is doing very well on PlayStation Now. Yeah. Well, that surprised me because I didn't think people really used PlayStation Now. Uh, and it's Avengers, and so it's like a weird combo. It's doing very well there. The, the delivery of of cloud gaming is going to places and and bringing audiences in that you would not expect, and it is going to be a key method for how they enter into the Asian market. Uh, I mentioned Japan earlier. Japan is but one small country with a much smaller gamer base than some say uh, India where xCloud has a huge, massive potential, and they're working to, to see their games being brought there. Consider South Korea with one of the fastest uh, web infrastructures in the world. They have no need to have hardware. They have no need to have a hardware. But that's why you, and that's why you're seeing that Cartrider game and the Crossfire uh, X multiplayer element. Those are huge over in, in Asia. That's why you're seeing Microsoft partner with these studios and work to enter the Asian market, not not just Japan, not just via hardware, but via X Cloud. And that is uh, it's awesome. It it should not work as well as it does, and it's just stunning. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I always bring up in discussions, and I agree with everything that you said, especially when it comes to Microsoft's opportunity and their strategy that they're pursuing in different markets outside of the U.S. and North America. Mm -hmm. um, I always consider cloud gaming the accessory experience for me. Um, mm -hmm. I compare it kind of to the PlayStation Vita with the PlayStation yeah. 4, where it is an option. And, you know, there are some games that are released on both. You also had the remote play option where you could experience games through your PlayStation 4 on uh, the Vita if the TV was taken, which is something that some people use cloud gaming for. But mm -hmm. you couldn't take a Vita and replace a PS4. That's just not, you know, these right. are not one to one comparisons. And for me, and like you said, to your point, cloud gaming is 95% there. And depending on your connection, you could be getting a 70% there kind of experience. It's very sure. reliant um, on your internet. Like my internet at work, ironically, I work in IT. Not sure why that's the case. Not as good as my internet mm -hmm. at home. So the experience I get differs greatly there. Um, but it's on the way. And with these servers uh, getting upgraded with the Series X technology, I think that's going to do wonders for the quality of the experience you get. I look forward to seeing these 120 hertz phones with Series X server blades and a really good connection. Can you run 120 frames per second games mm -hmm. on the go? Uh, that you're, you're not. I'm sorry, I cut you no, off. No, go ahead. Well, say so you're not far off from that, and you'll see that within this generation, the ability to do so comfortably. Um, but you and I, I don't think, are the xCloud market. I mean, I can 
now in, in this stage of my life comfortably afford a system comfortably af- afford a monitor to display it on well and i'm not competing for a tv right i'm not competing for a monitor um when i was 14 i would have been xcloud would have been the answer it would have been the answer because at 14 no tv in the room didn't have money for uh the latest greatest console at the time uh, and my brother and I would be fighting over the rare opportunities we could play our, our two years, our two systems back uh, console that we had. XCloud would have solved all of that. And I think that's who it's for. The, the right, I mean, I teach middle school and all but two out of 119 in this past year had mobile devices. All, all but two. Yeah. And they gamed on them constantly. And their gaming experience ranged from things like XCloud uh, down to, I don't know, the match three games that are popular right now. Yeah, your, your uh, Candy and Crushes the, and whatnot. Right, but the majority of them were real games, not just Fortnite, but like I'm thinking there's the Marvel RPG that's coming out, stuff in that vein. Uh, full experiences that if we had had them on N64, PlayStation 1, Dreamcast, PS2, we would have been happy with. And so there's a future there. I just don't think it's meant for me. I think it's meant for, you know, the the, the kids that are, that I'm teaching in my in my classroom. Yeah, no, and I, I think you've got a great point there. And even, you know, from kids in your classroom to my girlfriend who plays Genshin Impact, you know, where she's on the go all the time playing this very in-depth console experience on her iPhone. I think that to be able to have that cloud gaming experience delivering stuff, like I said, she loves Minecraft Dungeons. That's a really good option to be uh, a good route to get her in the gate. Um, and then we had the announcement today in that Polygon um, discussion that we had earlier where Kim Swift from Google Stadia has been brought on to develop experiences specifically that exist mm-hmm. and are catering to those that are playing in the cloud. Um, and so I think that's another interesting element where not only do you have these Xbox experiences transferring over into cloud experiences, you also have these unique games that are built with cloud in mind, whether that be mobile, browser, television, you know, with streaming sticks, which are now a part of the conversation, um, Mm -hmm. Xbox Ones, wherever you're playing, it's just a different kind of experience. And I think to see Kim Swift coming over from Google Stadia shows dedication to it. I think that, like we Mm -hmm. said earlier, cloud is a big part of the strategy. Mm -hmm. A big part. And it's Kim Swift is a really good pillar for this conversation right like they're bringing somebody with with experience in in that realm but i didn't know kim swift from anybody until two weeks ago and i started reading about it and and that has happened so often in the last year and a half two years where i'll see the headline such and such is coming to work at microsoft for this or that no clue who they are and then i read it i find out about their resume their clout their experience and i'm like man that's a lot of talent to bring in and that consistently has been happening. And uh, for that reason and that reason alone, I'm encouraged to know that it's not just the game title. It's not just the fact that, you know, Kim Swift's being mentioned next to Kojima. It's that Kim Swift's name is now known by people for the right reasons. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of what Google tried to do with Stadia before. Yeah. Not that they got cold feet, but they saw the investment that was going into building this cloud gaming infrastructure and trying to cultivate a community around it. And I think they started to kind of reevaluate their investment and then pair back. But like you said, with Kim Swift and these other people that have come on over the course of the past couple of years, really, it shows that 
they are very good at what they do, both at Microsoft mm-hmm. and the people that they're hiring. They know the tools they need to achieve the goal that they have. And they're making these investments to make it happen from Bethesda coming on board and that big acquisition um, to these uh, hirings. Like you see with Kim Swift to really build out these unique experiences. They really do have a grasp on who they need. The people that they hire have a grasp on what they need to do. And collectively between admins and the people and the talent that are making these experiences, they're getting it done. Um, Right. And that's super exciting. Now I will say there's a lot of excitement around E3 2021. I see a lot of awesome games coming down the pipe right now. Um, And I think that things really started for me with the medium earlier this year, but they've really got to follow through, you know, on, on the conversations that they're having and the expectations mm-hmm. that they're setting, because these games right. still have to come out, you know, and, yeah. and, and with Halo Infinite, I'm, you know, the number one guy in line, you know, whenever it's ready to roll. Not that we stand in lines anymore. This is not 2008. Um, but, you know, like I'm ready to go preloaded. I can't wait to get it uh, going on day one. But. It's still got to be a good game. You know, they've still got to deliver because you do have to compete with God of War. You've got to compete with Horizon. You've really got to show that these investments that you're making in this generation of of Xbox that you've cultivated and made uh, is worth getting invested in. And right now with Game Pass, it's already worth it. But, you know, we need the games. And so I'm excited to see them fulfill my expectations. And I hope that they certainly can. I think that in most cases, you will be happy. I think that you will. Uh, We've seen them make a concerted effort to ensure quality for their games. Uh, And again, I go back to the idea that they launched games that were not healthy, or not in healthy state, State of Decay 2, Sea of Thieves, and Master Chief's Collection. All three of those launched because they they were very content light in terms of, of AAA IP, and they had no exclusives in general, right? They launched them, they didn't go well when they, when they came out the gate, and they stuck with them. Crackdown 3 had its own issues, they got that game out the door, sure. But since then, they've really worked hard to see that they're doing acquisitions, to bring in the right people, to say the right things. And again, they delayed their biggest title of the decade because it wasn't ready and it wasn't right. That's cool. You know, that says something. And I think you'll be... Let me rephrase this. The quality that I see recent releases like Gears 5 Hive Busters, uh, Forza Horizon 4, and and the expansions suggest to me that there is a new mindset going about there. Have fun. Make it worthwhile. Make it worth the player's time. We've got money. Don't worry about that. Uh, My hope is that that continues. We'll see if it does. Who knows uh, at any point. But... You know, I I think there is enough to look forward to there that we should be hopeful at the very least. I totally agree. Like, I'm very hopeful for it. uh, uh, And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. To your point about the Master Chief Collection, that's why I bought an Xbox One. Like, I picked up an Xbox One to play the Master Chief Collection because those are some games I had not at that point ever played the original Halo because I grew up a PlayStation kid. And so... I had played Halo 3, I had played some Halo 4 in high school, but I wanted to go back and get those original experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know the server issues that were had. We all know the connection issues that were rampant. 
Um, mm-hmm. But over time, you know, as they have repaired that game without the Master Chief Collection being at the forefront of the launch of the Xbox Series X and those enhancements that were there, the Master Chief Collection effectively, while it can never replace Halo Infinite and the significance that that game in its full state would have had for a new generation, it right. did a pretty good job of filling the gap. You're right. You're right. And and credit to them for that. Uh, and I think that's leading comfortably well into their next iteration uh, with Infinite for sure. Yeah. And I think it's kind of primed the pump. My question that I have for you, and this goes to something else I wanted to discuss tonight, when it comes mm-hmm. to PC fitting into the overall space, I know you've probably heard and been a part of the discussions as well, where Game Pass for PC is not treated as, you know, a second rate kind of subscription, but it certainly doesn't feel like it gets as much focus as the console version. How do you mm-hmm. think Microsoft is treating PC today? And do you think they should change anything about how that strategy is currently? That's a good question. They are treat So they are treating PC incredibly well, incredibly well. Age of Empires four is coming out. If you go back into the game pass for PC catalog, it is ripe with titles big titles uh i think the reason that that gamers like you and i probably aren't pardon me probably aren't losing their minds at it is simply because it's not our area of expertise our area of coverage there's not a lot of xbox podcasts that are going to spend time on pc it exists it's there and they really do treat those customers well um but i don't know that they travel in the same circles or when they do travel in 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 the circles that i'm with pc's not on their mind Um, i will make fun of every pc gamer in the world for their driver updates and their excel turbo tax and whatnot (laughs) i will make fun of all of you nerds uh but but really and truly i i think that they are treated well it's just there's not a lot of them if i had to guess um but the question is valid i just don't think it it's I, I don't I just I don't think that it it comes up because we don't see them. I, I feel like I'm dancing around that awkwardly. No, I, I know. Um, what, but, I know what you mean, because I, I feel like it's I used to be a big PC guy in college. You know, I've got a I've built three PCs in my life. I've got a relatively powerful gaming PC. But like you were joking, I got tired of driver updates and I got tri- tired mm-hmm. of, you know, compatibilities and resolutions. And I always mm-hmm. felt like I was ch- I was the, uh, you know, chasing the carrot on the end of the stick where, you know, I buy a 1080 Ti and then a 2080 comes out and then a 3080 with an Xbox. I've got the best Xbox on the market right now. And when the next mm-hmm. one comes out, I'll buy that one. And then I don't have to worry about upgrades like I've got the console experience right now. But there are, you know, plenty of PC players out there. And with today's announcements around Windows 11, you've got auto HDR coming into the gaming experience. There's a revamped um, Game Pass library and Xbox app streaming is getting baked directly into the Xbox experience on PC. I think they're making a lot of steady improvements and. I think the focus at the beginning of the generation was and should have been the console players because those are like you and I, where we're discussing things on podcast. We are the, Mm -hmm. you know, mega fans that are repping the brand and what it's doing, not just as, you know, fanboys or anything like that, because that's not the air that I want to give off. 
Um, sure. But the excitement around what Microsoft brings to gaming as a whole, that's very significant. Yeah. Um, and so I think that as console regulates, as console hits this steady trend of quality, now mm-hmm. you start to see, you know, a lot more of a focus on building up that PC space. And of course, with an entirely new operating system launching hypothetically this fall, it's the perfect opportunity to replicate that revamp that you saw with Xbox through Windows. And I think that you'll be seeing a lot more in the months ahead um, in terms of bringing it to parity with the console experience. I hope so. I hope so. Gaming is for everybody, no matter where you are, you know, definitely. And that's a big part of the uh, Microsoft strategy going forward. Now, one question Mm -hmm. I have for you, we have obviously there have been Many more than one question in the show. Uh, but a question that I've got for you with Summer Game Fest semi kind of wrapped up, you know, like it feels like we're starting to wind things down. E3 is in the past. We have EA Play coming up. Rumors are flying about this Dead Space situation, a potential rebirth of the Dead Space uh, franchise or a potential rebirth of a legacy EA game. What do you think's coming and what do you think we will see from EA Play? I hope it's Titanfall 3. Mm. I hope it's Titanfall 3. Uh, I really want Titanfall to come back. I do not know what EA has to show for it. I'm sure they're going to talk a lot about their sports titles, which I will tune out. Um, <laughs> I do not. And, and I say that it sounds like I'm being flippant. Um, and I am. And I am being flippant because I don't think they treat their sports teams and their uh, like the developer teams well. You know, nine month development cycle, quick turnaround, bugs and issues pop up in there all the time. But because Ultimate Team uh, and the Madden equivalents make so much money that they will ship them and and send them. Um, So I'm sure we'll see some sports stuff. Uh, I hope we see some Titanfall news of some kind. I would imagine you see some Star Wars nods or teases or something i've heard and when i say i've heard i've i have no insider knowledge what i mean to say is i've kind of just seen on the interwebs right that that jedi fallen order 2 is not close Mm. uh which surprised me because fallen order was so quick from announcement to release um I, i was just surprised by that but nonetheless i hope we see some star wars stuff uh there there are credible rumors floating around about dead space 3 I'm sorry, Dead Space Remastered or a Dead Space 4, something within the Dead Space canon that would be happening. Um, Right now, EA is just up in the air. And I will double down. I just want Titanfall. I want Titanfall. Yeah, Titanfall is one that I think it's time for it to come back because Apex Legends and the other Battle Royales that have come out in the past few years, they're marketing machines, you know, with Mm -hmm. Warzone you see the next Call of Duty prepping for a reveal within their game. I mean, it's this inception kind of marketing that they have going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Apex Legends, you see stuff in the code. I think the newest hero or legend, I guess, is what they're actually called, has Mm -hmm. a Titan ability. Um, You might know more about that. I'm not following along with the Apex Legends. (laughs) Okay. Um, But Titans are obviously a big part of the Apex Legends universe because they're shared universes and whatnot. So I think it's a great time to bring that back. Looking forward to checking out Dead Space potentially if if the if the if the rumors are true. Um, I played mm-hmm. Dead Space one earlier this year through backward compatibility NEA play and I loved it. I need to start on Dead Space two since it's you know 
the first horror game that I've ever really played that I enjoyed on that level. I totally see why people love it. Um, but with your discussion around sports games, I'm in agreement with you that I feel like they're just kind of churn and burn. I'm sure those devs have some stories from the battlefield. Uh, mm-hmm. no, like you said earlier, no pun intended of, um, of really trying to crunch these games out and get them ready to go. And I think this year, while Madden 22 was a next gen game, I think this, or I should say like, what year is it? Pandemic time has crushed my brain. Uh, while 2021, yeah. While Madden 21 mm-hmm. was the first next gen version, I think Madden 22 is going to be the real next gen version because now they're focusing on obviously last gen still a part of the conversation, but I think there are more resources into next gen gaming Will it come to EA Play on day one and my, uh, you know, connection game pass? That would be big for Madden uh, is one that comes to my mind as a big benefit there. But we will uh, see how that goes. Excited to tune in. Um, And like you said, I'm a huge uh, Jedi Fallen Order fan. So my hopes uh, are that maybe a a game could be close, but I would not be shocked Mm -hmm. to see it too far off. Uh, You know, you got to treat Cal Kestis with the, with the respect that he deserves. So if if it takes three years of, uh, if it takes three years of development time, then so be it. Right. That's right. I agree. And I guess I didn't mention battlefield because we'd seen it multiple times. Battlefield could not sell me more on the game. It could only sell me less. They could only take away uh, excitement at this point. And that's a bad place to be in. I think. Uh, particularly given that you're launching a $70 game with all the discussions around that price point. Uh, and then the fact that Halo Infinite looks so good. We know Call of Duty has yet to make an appearance, uh, but will probably in conjunction with PlayStation. Um, it will be uh, difficult for Battlefield to not have some way for players to to jump in easily because uh, that $70 price point is... I don't think it's a big deal. To be very clear, that price jump is normal. It's expected. Um, games should be uh, probably a little more expensive than they are given the amount of work that goes in. Uh, and and that I, I say that. Meanwhile, Bobby Kotick from Activision's getting this ridiculously absurd and offensive uh, million dollar, multi million dollar raise while cutting employees. When I say games should be more expensive, I, I believe that, but I believe that the the funds and the profits are not evenly distributed to those who make them. So two separate discussion points there. I just want to be clear that I do think it's okay to have a $70 game. I do not think it's okay to be cutting jobs and paying executives when the developers are there grinding it out, crunching it out and making pittance. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board with you. Not to get too off topic, but this is a thought that always rattles in my brain around treatment of developers. And I say this from a guy who is, you know, this is as deep as I get into the gaming industry. I'm not a a developer. I'm not an employee of any kind of gaming facility. But I feel like developers are pushed into this dream role that you get. You know, it's this fantastic opportunity to work on a Call of Duty. You know, so many people grow up idolizing these games and living in these games. And the opportunity to get on board is unfortunately almost a part of the compensation, you know, where you're Mm -hmm. just you're so lucky to be able to work on this game. We should be able to cut your pay by X amount of dollars. and, And you just accept that because you get to work on Call of Duty. You know, yeah. when somebody asks what you do uh, and the same goes for Battlefield, where you get to say, I work on the next Battlefield or I'm developing Madden. You know, that's such a cool statement that mm-hmm. you see um, 
you know, almost a devaluation of of the job itself, which is super unfortunate. And like I said, you know, I could go on for for hours about that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But to your point about Battlefield, I agree with you. Um, last week, I discussed with Joey Ferris from Game Explain, uh, who is totally mm-hmm. averse to the idea of a $70 no campaign Battlefield. But then you have people like me where I look and I think, cool, Battlefield 4, but newer, you know, and then I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm totally on board with a uh, with a $70 purchase. So um, that's one of my most anticipated games of the fall. It always was. And it uh, and it will be going forward, assuming the game, like you said, continues to look good because there's only, you know, you can only take away from my excitement at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But I did discuss on another show that this holiday we have the potential for the ultimate trifecta where you've got Halo Infinite with sci-fi shooting in this sci-fi adventure. And then you've got mm-hmm. hypothetically, supposedly a World War II Call of Duty and then you've got mm-hmm. a modern battlefield. So no matter what you want, there's something out there for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, with with a Halo, it's included with free to play elements. Warzone is a free to play element. Battlefield doesn't have a free to play element. So I think EA definitely has um, a lot to prove to get people on board with a price tag like that and without a campaign. That's super, uh, super difficult to swallow for a lot of players. A lot to prove and odd because one of their most successful franchises is apex legends a free-to-play game yeah and so it's it's and they should have learned a lot of lessons from battlefield 5 and i think they did learn a lot of lessons from battlefield 5 clearly in the way that the 2042 is showing but uh it, it's it, a lot to watch there i know that i'll be picking up battlefield excited for it the question is how long will i play it next to halo infinite and some of the other heavy hitters uh and who knows at this point? Because they don't need to sell me. They need to sell the used, the young ones. They got to sell the people and pull them out of Fortnite, Apex, Warzone, etc. And that's you see that Halo's working to to bring multiplayer uh, to free to everybody, regardless of Game Pass. There's there's a lot of of speculation as to what what EA is going to do between now and August ahead of their launch in is it September? I think it's October. October October twenty third. I okay. want to say. I bet you by the end of August, we'll know if they're going to shift anything around. We'll see. Yeah, I'm we'll hoping see. to I'm hoping to learn more, but I don't want to take up all of your evening. I do want to round out with one final question out of everything shown between the Summer Game Fest and E3 and all these announcements that have been had. You know, if you're choosing three, you can choose three. You're choosing one. What game or games are you looking forward to the most this fall now that we are hitting the, you know, Believe it or not, coming up on the one-year mark of the next generation of Xbox. Uh, let's see. Um, right now, I would say Halo Infinite is easily number one. Without a doubt, Halo Infinite uh, stands tall above the rest because I am just a diehard Halo fan. Uh, again, apologize for the poor lighting, but behind me are stacks of novels and comic books for halo i'm reading shadows of reach right now and it's fantastic and anyone that's interested in halo infinite plot lines probably should take a look there uh i i cannot say enough about halo infinite for sure beyond that uh i'm, I'm thinking here when do, when does fall start officially does october count in that one i consider fall to be anything from really august and september all the way through the end of the year whatever whatever you think fits in that time frame 
Okay. All right. So, so I think my next choice would be Forza Horizon 5. And that's amusing because the big knock against Xbox was that they leaned on Gears, Forza, and Halo. Well, Halo Infinite and Forza 5 look different. They feel different in terms of vibe. And so I can, I can comfortably say I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then... Uh, you you got yourself a toss up between games like the Gunk or Back for Blood or or a- Aliens Fire Team or Psychonauts Two. Uh, I don't have a comfortable third because there's so much left to to, to learn about a few of them. Uh, but but easily Forza and Halo uh, stand above them. I have questions about Treaders and Scorned. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know the Anacrusis is coming out uh, again. I just talked to that developer, and he was so positive that it's it's uplifting to hear what what they have to say. But uh, let's just say, well, let's say Back for Blood. We'll say Halo, Forza, and Back for Blood for right now. A solid collection of choices, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with having the rotating third chair. That's totally a good option as well. Um, you have to answer too. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I'm looking through, and I've got you know, I've got phone calls that are coming in. I you know. It, Sorry for that. But um, if I had to choose three games that I'm looking forward to the most this fall, mm-hmm. definitely, like you said, Halo Infinite is number one, mm-hmm. not only because I'm excited, but because, you know, you've got your 20th anniversary of Halo and Xbox. And so yeah. between new stuff that I am sure will come to the Master Chief Collection, some of which you're already kind of seeing, you know, sprinkled in throughout the year and the excitement around Halo Infinite and the deep connection it has with the Xbox brand. There's just so much there to look forward to. Um, But like I discussed earlier, Forza Horizon 4 won me over. I've been looking forward to Forza Horizon 5 since the moment that I heard some rumors about it. Um, And so I'm looking forward to that one. For the third, I'm really looking forward to 12 minutes, I think is going to be one that catches my eye because Willem Dafoe is just on another level when it comes to not only his acting and stuff like uh, Lighthouse, but um, and of course, everyone's favorite Spider-Man. Uh, but additionally, his, his voice is just so defined. And I think that the experience 12 minutes is going to deliver. Um, it won't be for everyone, which no game is is for everyone, but it certainly looks like it's going to be one for me. And then I'm also comfortably curious about the gunk as well. I think that's one that, I'm still unsure of, but I'm comfortably, cautiously optimistic about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think there's a ton to look forward to there. And I'm looking forward to, with Game Pass, being able to really dive into a ton of these and so many more that I'm sure are, uh, are yet to be announced. It's a super exciting time just to be not only an Xbox player, but just in general into gaming. There's so much to look forward to. Mm hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So to round out the show, go ahead and uh, give us the quick rundown. Let us know where to follow you, where to find you, where to listen to you, because you have been a fantastic guest uh, and it's it's great to finally meet you and talk to you. And um, and I, I feel like I'm talking to one of the podcasts that I listen to on a weekly basis. It's great to be involved. <laughs> well, uh, it was an honor to be on. And as we talked about before the show, uh, thank you for for. Uh, not giving up on me. I, it, he he reached out a little while ago. My, my schedule was just so hectic, and I'm grateful that you would, would uh, give the grace to let me come back on um, uh, now. And so I appreciate that. Uh, to anyone listening, uh, you can find my show, The Xbox Expansion Pass, on any and all podcast services. Uh, just search Xbox Expansion Pass. It'll pop up. The audio files also go over to YouTube. It's not a produced thing on YouTube. 
Uh, but if you prefer to, to consume podcasts there, it is there for you. Uh, I feature interviews from all over the industry. I, I mentioned Ch- uh, Chet Falasek of the Anacrusis. Uh, if you have heard of the Rift, uh, the game Rift Breaker, um, having those developers on uh, I'm speaking to them tomorrow at the time of this recording, and they'll be on Monday's episode. Uh, and I'll also have a special guest host that uh, many people in the gaming community who maybe listen to radios and have a gamer tag uh, might recognize. So that's exciting. Uh, and uh, you, oh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Insipid Ghost. Very nice. Yeah, definitely follow uh, Luke. He's a fantastic follow, fantastic podcaster, and. Um, you know, he's always got really cool interviews with people around the industry. And like you said, people with gamer tags that may be on radios coming up on this week's episode. That's super exciting. And I'm super, uh, you know, excited for you to have that kind of opportunity and the discussion that you'll have there. Um, when it comes to the Rift Breaker, by the way, one I dove into really enjoyed during the uh, the demo uh, event that was going on. That was super cool to check out. Um, but thanks again for joining me. And for those that are listening, thank you for checking out this week's episode of exhibition and Xbox podcast. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. You can check out the show every single Sunday and we will have a rotating set of guests on in the weeks ahead. And occasionally you'll have a one-off show where you're just stuck with me, but it is what it is. Um, but until next time, thank you for joining us and we will see you on the next episode. (laughs) 